Heavenly Father, this morning we affirm that we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe he is here in our hearts if we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the one that helps us. He is the one that guides us in truth. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit may help us this morning to understand your word. And we pray that he may move towards the hearts of those people who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but are gathered here this morning. We pray that he may take their hearts of stone and change them to hearts of flesh in the way that only he can do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think I've mentioned on a few occasions before that I really like superheroes. I like the, the comics, I like the movies, and so I'm rather excited about the new Transformers movie that is coming out. I'm not sure if you've seen the posters or seen the previews uh, for this new Transformers movie coming out, but it is number three, and it's meant to be the final one, uh, which is a shame, but there's always a way to bring out another movie. The writers can... Uh, get around uh, such conclusions, but uh, I am excited. So I've seen the preview and I'm looking forward to it coming out. I probably won't get to go to the movies and see it since we've had children. It is pretty much um, our movie going days have ended, but there's always our own television set and DVDs. Why do I like Transformers so much? Well, they're good superheroes. They're ones that are there dwelling amongst us. You don't know that that truck passing you by on the street, whether it really is a superhero that is there ready to protect the world. But the word hero is not just used for superheroes. Of course, we have human heroes. We have good human heroes. If you are someone who has jumped into a burning building and rescued a baby, people call you a hero. You went in, you risked your life to save uh, an innocent child, and so you're named a hero. But the word hero is also used for bad as well. Bad superheroes. Why are the good uh, Transformers so necessary to have in the world? Well, because there are bad superheroes. There are bad Transformers out there just as there are good Transformers. So we need the Transformers there to fight those bad Transformers for us. And it's the same with humans. We have bad human heroes. They may not have powers, but they're heroes nonetheless, and and they're heroes at evil. And that is what Isaiah is focusing on this morning. He is looking at the Israelites and he is saying, yes, there are heroes in Israel, but they are heroes at sin. And he has a message for such heroes of sin. And so this morning I want to firstly, in my first main point, uh, look at the sins of these heroes of sin. If you've got a church bulletin there on the back, you can see my four main points this morning. And my first main point this morning is that is about the sins of heroes of sin of of the heroes of sin. So, what are these sins that they're so good at? Well, verse twenty-two tells us Isaiah chapter five, verse twenty-two, page six eight zero of the Black Church Bibles. Isaiah chapter five, verse twenty-two. What do we read? Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine. What are the Israelites known to be heroes of? 
Their heroes are drinking wine. They can drink wine well. And it's not just an ordinary type of wine, a, a common form of wine that their heroes are drinking at. This is hard liquor. The, the word in Hebrew is for really hard alcohol. And their heroes are drinking that. And this is something that we see today in our culture here in Australia as well. What do people praise for? They can hold their liquor. They can drink lots and they don't pass out like other people. So you can say that I can drink you under the table. I am a champion. I am a hero at drinking alcohol and not getting drunk. Or I am a hero at drinking alcohol and not throwing up. I don't throw up. I'm so good. I'm so clever in my body that I am a hero at drinking wine. That's their first sin. What is their other sin? Verse 22, woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and champions at mixing drinks. These guys are known to be good at mixing the drinks up. They have brains, and what do they use their brains for? To make strong alcohol, to make stuff that will get them drunk faster and taste good at the same time. That is what these Israelites are known to be good at. And of course, this is not a thing that you want to be good at. This is a bad thing. Drunkenness is a sin. Drinking hard liquor was frowned upon by the Jews because it led to drunkenness so quickly. Wine in itself is not sinful, but drunkenness is. And these guys are known to be heroes at drinking and getting drunk. What else are they heroes at? Well, it continues, verse 23, who acquit the guilty for a bribe, but deny justice to the innocent. These guys are not just your ordinary people in society. These are people who have matters of justice before them, judges. And what are they doing? They're drinking and accepting bribes so that people who are innocent are condemned and those people who are guilty are set free. They're accepting bribes, letting money dictate justice. And, of course, that money they're probably pouring into their alcoholic beverages. They're there sinning greatly. They're heroes at sinning. And it's summed up again for us in later verses as to what they're doing, their sins, and what the ultimate cause is. And that's down halfway through verse 24. I'll read verse 24. Therefore, as tongues of fire lick up straw and as dry grass sinks down in the flames, so their roots will decay and their flowers blow away like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord Almighty and spurned the word of the Holy One of Israel. What is their problem? They have rejected God's law. They consider themselves above the law, above the law in their own land, in the fact that they let people go when they shouldn't, and they think they're above God's law. They spurn it. They say, I'm not interested in your law, O God. And so they are heroes at sin. Is that a problem, though? Does God have a problem with heroes of sin? Yes, he does. And that's my second main point this morning. Heroes of sin are punished. God takes sin seriously, and he punishes it accordingly. And the first way he see, we see that he punishes it is with natural disasters. What do we see? Fire in verse 24. Therefore, as tongues of fire lick up straw and as dry grass sinks down in the flames, so their roots will decay and their flowers blow away like dust. 
He can bring fire over them to judge them. And it's not just any fire, it's as dry grass sinks down in the flames. Grass fires are those fast-spreading fires. They move very quickly and ferociously as they come. And God punishes the Israelites with that. And, of course, we see with sieges that they come, they burn the cities, and uh, the nations that come to war against them bring fire with them. How else does God punish them? Well, with another natural disaster. What is that? Verse 25. Therefore the Lord's anger burns against his people. His hand is raised and he strikes them down. The mountains shake. What shakes mountains? Earthquakes. And God brings earthquakes upon the people. And so what happens to them? The mountains shake, verse 25, and the dead bodies are like refuse in the street. God again and again through the Old Testament uses earthquakes, opens up the earth and takes people down alive into it. He takes sin very seriously and so he brings these earthquakes and earthquakes are just terrible in the catastrophe that they bring upon people. You see that with earthquakes where we've seen in the last couple of years, we've seen a couple of really severe earthquakes and uh, like in Haiti and we see how people, the bodies are just lying there with no one to pick them up because the devastation is just so widespread. So they're not dying in hospital with their friends and family around them caring for them. Instead they're dying and they're lying there like rubbish in the streets. And this is because of their sin. But is that enough? God says no. Verse 25, he continues. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. So what is he going to do? Well, he brings them punishment through man, through the distant nations. He, he says in verse 26, he lifts up a banner for the distant nations. He whistles for those at the ends of the earth. He brings foreign nations to punish Israel for their sin. And he brings them in a particular way. How does he bring them? He brings them swiftly. They don't come slowly. He brings them quickly. The image there is of one whistling for the nations. God is the one who brings them. He plants a banner and says, this is where you're to come to, and he whistles for them like a dog, that when you whistle for it, it's trained well, it runs to you. It doesn't walk slowly over. It runs because you've whistled for it. And that's what the nations are doing. God has whistled for them, and they are running towards Israel. And so, of course, the description there is of that speed that they're coming at. Verse 26 Here they come, swiftly and speedily. Not one of them grows tired or stumbles. Not one slumbers or sleeps. Not a belt is loosened at the waist. Not a sandal thong is broken. They're coming swiftly, so swiftly that they aren't getting tired. What slows people coming? Well, it's because they're tired. Even your dog, if it's worn out and you whistle for it, it may come slowly then. But not these distant nations that God has called to come and punish for sin. No, not one of them grows tired or stumbles. Not one slumbers or sleep. They're barely stopping for rest. They're not stopping to sleep. And they're not even stopping because uh, their sandals are broken. The image there is of not a belt is loosened at the waist. That means they're not stopping to take it off and have a sleep. And they're not stopping even to adjust their sandals because the straps aren't breaking. What slows people down sometimes? Their shoelace is undone. So they can't come. They have to bend over and do it up because otherwise they'll trip and they'll fall and um, they'll be even slower. 
But here, they're not even stopping to adjust their shoes. They are coming quickly. God has said, you're to come and punish this people. And they also come strongly, well-equipped. Verse 28, their arrows are sharp. They're not coming and they're not going to be able to do any damage to the Israelites. They're coming with sharp arrows. They're coming with their bows strung, ready to go. They haven't taken the, the, the strings off their bows and will put them on when they arrive. No, they're ready. As soon as they arrive, they're going to start shooting arrows. They're well equipped there. And their horses' hooves seem like flint, their chariot wheels like a whirlwind. This is in the days, of course, before uh, horses were shod with an iron shoe so that they could go over rough terrain. But here, that doesn't slow down these nations because their horses' hooves are like flint. They've got good quality horses that don't slow down with the rough terrain. They're coming, they're well equipped with these good horses and even chariots. And chariots where the wheels spin so quickly that it's like whirlwinds coming off them. They are well equipped to deal with Israel. But they're not just coming quickly, swiftly. They're not coming just strongly, well equipped. They're also coming severely. They're not going to come and be merciful. They're going to come severely. And the way that they're described is given to us in the way that they will punish. In verse 29, their roar is that like that of the lion. They roar like young lions. They growl as they seize their prey and carry it off with no one to rescue. A lion is not kind to its prey and kills it uh, mercifully. Nice quick death. No, a lion comes with claws out, teeth bared, and seizes its prey and growls. It gets fear into the person before it kills it. And that's what these distant nations are going to do. They're going to come and they are going to come ferociously against Israel, just like a young lion, a lion at the peak of its, of its uh, life, a strong lion, and no one will rescue the people, because he just like a lion carries off the prey so that no one can get it from it. That's what these distant nations will do. And another way of describing them in the severity of their action is with the sea in verse 30. In that day they will roar over it like the roaring of the sea. The sea is one of those fearful things. Um, I'm not one for going out on boats all that much. But, uh, yeah, it is a scary place to be, particularly if there's a storm at sea. It's merciless. And sometimes the sea comes in, and we've seen that uh, very recently with Japan and the tsunami that comes in, and it just decimates the place. And that's how these distant nations are described. They roar like the sea and are merciless like the sea coming in. Did this happen? Did God punish Israel in this way for their sin? Or is it just a vain, empty threat that God gave Israel? Yes, it did. These armies came. The Babylonian and the Assyrian armies came and they punished Israel. They came swiftly, they came well-equipped, and they came severely. There wasn't mercy shown to the Israelites. They did terrible things to the Israelites. They were brutal when they came against Israel. So what does that mean for us today? That's Israel, scary images. But does that have any application to us? Well, my third main point this morning is that heroes 
of sin are still to be punished. They are still punished today. When are bad heroes, heroes of sin, punished? Well, we experience some punishment in this life with disasters, with war coming, people who are evil coming against nations. That is part of the consequence of sin being in the world. But of course, the ultimate time when sin, heroes of sin, are punished is when Jesus returns, the last day. And we see pictures very similar to Isaiah's of what will happen on that last day, where there will be natural disasters, there are earthquakes, there are fires, there is smoke. Those are the descriptions given in the New Testament of what will happen on the last day. And there is an army, a heavenly army, that comes to punish those who are heroes of sin. And they come just like this army. They come swiftly. When they come, they are coming quickly. You can't stop them. They come well equipped. The armies of heaven, you try and take on an angel. They come well equipped to deal with the heroes of sin. And they come severely. They will come and there will be no mercy. You will be dragged off, kicking and screaming maybe, to hell to be punished for eternity. Don't believe me? Is that not in the scriptures at all? Am I just making that up? Yes, you can see in Isaiah that it says that they will be punished, the Israelites. But now I'm saying that we will be punished. Heroes of sin today will be punished in that way. Well, let's look at two passages from Revelation that show that. Revelation 16, which we just read, but I'll read a fragment of that again. The punishment for heroes of sin that is still to come. Verse 17 of Revelation 16, page 1226, 1226. 1226. Revelation chapter 16 and looking at verse 17. 1226. Revelation 16, verse 17, what does it say? The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake, the great city split into three parts and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones of about a 100 pounds each fell upon men and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible. God brings disaster upon heroes of sin. Here it is predicted. And also, the heavenly armies that I mentioned, turn over the page to 1,229, Revelation 19. Revelation 19, verse 11, 1,229. Verse 11 we read, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True, with justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. 
He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God promises punishment for heroes of sin, punishment of disasters and punishment of an army coming and, of course, the eternal lake of fire, hell itself. God punishes sin. Will it happen? Do you scoff that this may never happen? That you've seen so many years of your life where nothing has happened too badly for your sin? Well, that's what the Israelites did. They scoffed against Isaiah's prophecy. And what happened? The army came and devastated them. You can scoff right now just like those Israelites did, but know that when God promises to punish sin, he brings his punishment to fulfilment. This day is coming. The only reason it didn't come a long time ago is because God is patient with sinners like yourself and giving you time giving you time. Time for what? Time to escape. There will be no escape on that day. Remember the lion that comes, takes its prey, no one to rescue it? There will be no escape on that day. But there is time now. And that's my fourth main point, my last main point this morning. Heroes of sin can escape punishment. Now is the time of mercy. You can find mercy now. There will be no mercy on that day. When he comes, that's it. Time is up. What are you to do now to receive that mercy? Repent. Admit you are a hero of sin. That you are excellent at sinning. And you have been excellent at sinning from a very young age. You are a hero and champion of sin. Repent of that. Admit it and seek to turn away from it. Say sorry to God for what you have been doing, the fact that you are a hero at sin, and then beg God for forgiveness, forgiveness for that sin. How is it possible that God can forgive you for that sin? Is it that he forgives because that is his job? As one liberal theologian says, God always forgives, for that is his job. God is under no obligation to forgive you if you cry out for forgiveness. The only reason he can be just, show a hatred for sin and a punishment of sin, and also forgive you, is because of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus takes the punishment that you should experience on that great day and for eternity in hell, he takes that on his shoulders at the cross as the only one who can. And so if you ask for forgiveness through Jesus Christ, it is possible for you to be forgiven. Not because God has a low view of sin and kicks the punishment to one side. No, but because he bears the punishment at the cross. 
And so instead of you taking that punishment, Jesus Christ takes it for you, if you believe that he did. And then what do you do? Well, you be a good hero. You be like a good transformer. One who is a hero of righteousness, not a hero of sin. Not so that you can be saved from punishment. No, you are already saved if you believe in Jesus Christ's death for you. But you are a hero of righteousness because you are saved. Just like the good transformers, why do they behave well? It's not so they can be good transformers, it's because they are good transformers. And it's the same with you. Why do you behave well as a Christian? Not so that you can be a Christian, but because you are a Christian. And what are the things that you should be doing? Well, you can go through Ten Commandments, lists of sins and in the New Testament, and go through those and stop doing them. And what should you do if you're a hero of righteousness? What do good heroes do all the time? They rescue people. Superheroes are always rescuing people. And you should be doing the same as well. What should you rescue them from? From the punishment of God. You should be warning people, just like the superheroes do. Get out of the burning building while you can. Those people around you in your life who are not Christians are destined for severe pain. But you can be a good superhero right now and tell them about how they can be saved. Do you do that? When was the last time you warned someone about hell? Or are you ashamed of the doctrine of hell? When was the last time you really were so concerned for your friend because you thought about the fact that they will be burning for an eternity in hell for their sin? And so you were led to share the good news of the gospel that they can be saved through Jesus' death. That if they repent of their sins and believe in him, they will be saved from burning forever. Are you a hero of righteousness by rescuing people from burning forever? Do you do that? Have you done it recently? Have you tried? Sometimes superheroes, when they try to help people, they don't want it and they go away. And the superhero can't do much more. And that is what sometimes we experience. We warn them, we try to help, but they don't want the help. But at least we try. At least we are trying to rescue people as heroes of righteousness. Let us speak to our God now. Heavenly Father, We thank you that you reveal our sin to us, that we recognize we are sinners and that you take sin very seriously, that you punish sinners. But Lord, if this was all that you revealed to us, it would not be good news, it would just be very, very bad news. But you, in your mercy, sent your one and only Son to die for sinners, for heroes of sin. And if we repent of our sin and believe in him, we can have eternal life and escape punishment from sin. Lord, we pray 
that everyone in this room has repented, has believed in Jesus Christ, and now are heroes of righteousness. May we behave like heroes of righteousness, particularly in trying to rescue those around us who are dying in their sins. Lord, make us uneasy to think of our friends and family who are not believers. And may we come before you in prayer again and again for the salvation of their souls. And may you use us to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And may they be saved from eternity of hell. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.